The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon. And welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner and CEO of self-management firm, Empirical Wealth Management. I also have Ethan Broga, Certified Financial Planner with a Master's Degree in Financial Planning with me. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Good Good to be here. Oh, it is good to be here. Lovely day in Seattle today. Looks sunny. Well... We have some uh, a very, very in- interesting guest. We're going to play clips from the interview we did with academic Roger Ibbotson. He's a professor of finance at Yale School of Management. Most people probably recognize the name if they've ever seen one of the stocks, uh, bonds, and bills and inflation charts that show you the historical returns on these various asset classes. He did a lot of work... Um, with a, another academic named Rex Sinkfeld on documenting the historical returns of, of the various stock and bond markets. Mm-hmm. Had his own company, Ibbotson and, and Associates, um, which subsequently he sold to Morningstar. And um, Roger went to the University of Chicago, uh, Indiana University, he got his PhD in finance and economics at the uh, University of Chicago his MBA at Indiana University, and uh, he has his Bachelor's of Mathematics from Purdue University. He has written um, an enormous uh, number of papers that have appeared in all the various uh, academic peer-reviewed journals and publications. He's written a few books, and so we were very honored and excited to be able to interview Roger, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that shortly. Ethan, why don't we... Uh, Go ahead and with our normal introduction and contact information before we dive into our, our discussion with Roger. I think that sounds good. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, um, if you have any questions you'd like to ask us on the air or, or uh, just on our voicemail, we'll ha- happily answer them. You can reach us at contact at empiradio.com or 800-254-0398. Um, we'll happily uh, read your question on the air and give you some responses to that. Um, 
maybe before we get into the interview, we can talk just briefly again about our um, program here. As we mentioned before numerous times, we're looking to partner with advisors from across the country. Um, if you'd like to talk about that, we'd happily um, spend some time reviewing that opportunity with you. And again, this is more of the, um, we're, we're out there providing the infrastructure for uh, the service offering that you would have as your own independent representative uh, in your locality, servicing clients in a fiduciary capacity. So if you'd like to talk more about that, give us a call. Again, 800-254-0398. You can also visit our, our firm website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Or call us here at the company. You can ask for Ken Smith or Ethan Broga at 1-800-923-4307. Great. Well, Ethan, let's... Uh, you know, we're going to, because we, we had the opportunity to get a lot of information and insights from Roger, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to dive into this. So let's go ahead and, and start with our, uh, our first question, uh, an asset allocation study that he recently published. Sounds let's go good. ahead and play that clip. Well, Roger, thanks for coming on our program and, uh, talking with us about some of the research that you've been involved in. Well, I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Well, one of the things we wanted to ask you about, Roger, is we, we try to read as much research as we can get our hands on. And you recently uh, put it, I think it was in the uh, Financial uh, Analyst Journal, um, or the Journal of... That's right, the Financial Analyst okay, Journal. Okay, good. The title of the article is The Importance of Asset Allocation. And from what I gathered in that article, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about it, that... Uh, there was a lot of confusion, I guess, from investors or people about what, um, how much, how great a role asset allocation plays in determining returns. Well, yeah, it, it really has been a confusing topic because basically people ask, usually ask the question, what percentage of my return comes from my asset allocation or from my asset allocation policy? Well, the answer to that question actually turns out to be surprisingly 100%. All, all of your return all of your return comes from your asset allocation because basically your return comes from two parts. Your your kind of your your policy return and or, or your passive return and your active return. It turns out, I guess the so the bad news for active managers in general, but it's definitional is across all active strategies they sum to zero, or, or even perhaps a negative number if you consider all the costs. So if you say, what percentage of my return comes from asset allocation, the answer has to be all of it, uh, the, because the, the active part of it is, is sums to zero. But some people's return, of course, some people have very good returns, and some people have very poor returns. They do worse than, worse than their asset allocation policies. So they do worse and better, but if you're talking about return levels, and that's the key point, levels of returns, the answer is all of the return comes from the policy. Actually, though, the, the conversation gets deeper than this, though, because people really want to know about why your returns differ than my returns, for example. Why do we, why do we differ in our returns? Right. Well, it turns out that you talk about why we differ in our returns, that that answer turns out to be about 50% from your 
from your asset allocation policy. You have a different asset allocation policy than I do. You have more stocks and I have more bonds. And, and, but on the other hand, you have different stocks than I do. And so about 50% of the, in this case, the key word is variation, the differences between your returns and mine are, are it's about equal. About half of the differences are coming from, from our asset, different asset allocation policies. And about half the differences are coming from our, our actual different stocks and fees and so forth that we might pay. So I, I hope that wasn't too complicated of, a, of an answer, and I could even go further on this if you wanted, but uh, maybe I've gone too far already. <laughs> no, no, that's really good. And I think if we were going to go further, I think the average person uh, who has been presented this study by a financial advisor usually is where I've, I've seen it in materials a lot and in and presentations and things that I've heard. It's, well, you know, 90-plus percent of the return you're going to get is not which stock you pick or which manager you select, it's which asset classes that you're exposing yourself to. And I guess related to what, what, you're, what you're saying is, well, that's, that's not necessarily true. Well, you know, that, again, you're talking about, and those studies were on, these were the uh, two different studies uh, based on uh, Brinson and some co-authors, uh, the, originally the Brinson, Hood, and Bebauer study. And they looked at the, Time series, the re, the time series variation in returns, and those time series variation returns actually have three parts of them. Saying, in, in say in 2008, most 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 uh, portfolios were down, but 2009, most of them were up. Uh, well, the, the the three sources of variation in a time series return, the first one is just the general market movement, and actually that's the most important one. That's about about seventy percent or more, seventy five percent of of the actual movement just has to do with the overall up and down of overall markets. If you take the last two pieces of that, one is how, how again have how we different in in our asset allocation policy and how we different in our active management. They're roughly equal, but that's how you get that ninety percent. You actually, if you take that seventy five percent plus the two other parts, the asset allocation piece, mm-hmm. which is, say, it's almost 15%, you get, you get a number close to 90%. So what, the, what those Brinson studies were actually doing was they were taking the time series of market movements and the asset allocation policies together, and they put it into one, one bucket, and that's why they called it 90%. But I actually think it's more reasonable to think there are three different buckets here because we we really differ. Most of us are relatively similar in our asset allocation policies. We're, we all suffer the ups and downs of the markets. Right. So that first piece, the ups and downs of the market, is actually the dominant piece. And then the other two pieces are about equal. And you you mentioned active managers, said important active managers, it's 100 is described the combination of these right is a hundred percent explains the return the return level yeah the hundred percent of the return level is is uh, is explained by active I'm sorry by passive management because the active management averages zero across the managers but not a hundred percent of the variation because a lot of uh, a lot of people have had very successful active managers or very unsuccessful active managers 
when you look at the variation, it's no longer uh, that, that. All these studies are really about variation of returns, right. not about return levels. Is there is something that if if the average investor here should take away in terms of how they are choosing to build and construct their portfolio as a result of this these studies? Well, I still would say that asset allocation policy, the basic structure of your portfolios, very important. Um, it's not going to erase. Uh, it's not going to protect you completely from say 2008 when the financial crisis comes because right. we're all going to be hurt by those sort of things. But asset allocation is very important, and it does uh, create the diversification. But there's diversification at two levels. You will need to be diversified in your asset classes. You also need to be diversified in your individual stocks and bonds that you might select. So you need, you need diversification at both levels. So, and it, it's just basically these studies tell you how important, how, how important it is. And you can actually get rid of most of this, this the uh, last two categories of risk by diversifying adequately. But you'll never get rid of the basic market movement. Well, Ethan, we are running short uh, for this on time for this segment. We need to take a quick break. I'd like to talk about uh, the asset allocation discussion we had with Roger a little bit, and then we'll move into playing additional clips. Sounds great. Great. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management. Inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcast each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific 
Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back, everyone. Ethan, welcome back. Thanks, Ken. (laughs) Before the break, we'd played one of the questions of several that we had an opportunity to ask Roger Ibbotson, and we were discussing a recent paper that he had that was published that he wrote. Um, it was wrote in the financial, written in the Financial Analyst Journal uh, this year, and the name of the paper was "The Importance of Asset Allocation." And if you have the opportunity, I would uh, recommend you check it out. Just Google Roger Ibbotson or the title of that paper. And uh, probably lead you to one of a variety of places you can get it. And uh, in this paper, you know, the, there was it was kind of an analysis of work that was done back in 1986. And uh, researchers at that time, Brinson Hood and B. Bauer, um, wrote a wrote a, a paper called "The Determinants of Portfolio Performance." And in that, it's often quoted. We see it out in the industry all the time. That 93.6% of the average uh, fund's return variation is explained by their asset allocation decisions or, or policy. And in Ibbotson's work here recently, as we just heard, that he was saying, well, no, actually, when you dissect that, um, it's, it's not that. A larger portion is the market movement. And then you have a slightly greater effect of the return differences between managers uh, related to their decision on where to be allocated um, within an area, and then the other part is their active decisions. And we just wanted to clarify, because this is a little bit of a complicated piece, that you know the the this is comparing managers that were equity managers to or stock managers as an example to stock portfolios. So clearly you and I, Ethan, believe that the asset allocation, and Roger said that decision is incredibly important, Yeah. particularly as it relates to how much am I going to allocate to risky equity-type asset classes like stocks mm-hmm. and the, to bonds. And, you know, there's another study that gets cited is with this idea of that the three-factor model that Fahm and French did where you can explain a large portion of the return uh, in your portfolio by your decision to allocate to equities 
right, rather versus than bonds. stocks, right? Exactly. And then, then the other components are that, or how you're dividing up your stock, compo- your stock piece. Mm-hmm. I think where this where this study for us, you know, is is our as we always looking at the research we can get our hands on. Where what it explains or helps clarify is that the 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 decision once you d- make that d- decision of I'm going to own equities or I'm going to have this um, allocation of stocks to bonds. Um, that there there is a, a, a pretty big effect um, that's a result of just being in the stock market as right. a whole. And so the managers, the differences in managers' returns, um, they're, you know, a large part of the return they're getting is the fact that they're in equities. It's less of an issue that, you know, or they have less control, I guess you could say, um, in terms of their, their decisions to buy what stocks are buying, or their decisions to own small versus value, um, small value versus large growth, as an example. Those are important decisions, particularly over the long run. But the decisions of moving in and out of those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we know, as Roger said, hey, that all these managers are getting the market return minus their expenses, and for the most part. There's a very poor track record of a non-scientific approach to investing, which is, I'm just going to go out here and randomly pick stocks, or I'm going to try to market time in between large and small in all these sectors. A lot of times that gets dressed up pretty nicely. Obviously, I would say active managers don't don't describe it that way, right? Right. Random randomly, that wouldn't sell very well. They do a great job of dressing it up quite nicely to sound very nice, but in essence, that's what's going on a lot of times. Right. Okay. Well, let's get into our, our next question because Roger, uh, as an academic, he's also recently began to, uh, he's got a couple of investment funds that he's launched. Mm-hmm. And um, what we look for when we're, we're looking at investments are um, where we find research that comes out first, and then an investment strategy comes out to get that research, to capitalize on the research. Yeah, exploit, exploit the, the returns that are manifest themselves in the research. So what we talk about is this, uh, the work he's been doing in, in the research he had done on, on the liquidity premium. And uh, let's play a clip, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. You've been doing research in this liquidity premium area of the market. Do you, would you be willing to talk about that a little? Well, well I'd love to, because, you know, uh, people have talked about risk and return now for for. Well, especially since Harry Markowitz in 1952, he had a dissertation about uh, risk and return and how diversification works. But we've been talking about this category, this this subject for for decades. But uh, but I wrote, actually wrote a paper in the 1980s that said that the key real drivers to returns are they are risk and return, but they're also are liquidity and they also are taxation, and that those big three were the things that actually affect your your returns long run, and and yes, we it's a, it's reasonable we talk a lot about risk, but we should be talking about uh, uh, liquidity. I, I like to talk about liquidity right now, but but also taxation because you want to get the basically you want to have tax efficient portfolios in order to effectively manage manage your money and get the most returns. Hmm. Well, what is this idea then of of liquidity in terms of return? Well, it's quite simple. If you if you bought any kind of an asset, whether it's a stock or a bond or any kind of an asset, if you bought it and you want it to be extremely liquid, you're going to have to pay a high price for it. 
On the other hand, if you're willing to buy that asset class in, 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 a, in any way that is a little less liquid, you get to buy it at a discount. Basically, people want liquidity, but they, in order to get it, it's not free. You have to pay the full price for it if you want the most liquid version. Actually, what we do, I, I do have a company, uh, Zebra Capital, and we think of ourselves as liquidity managers. We provide the right amount of liquidity. It's liquidity, uh, as much liquidity as you need, but but not uh, not perfect liquidity. So, in, in fact, in the equity market for the stocks, if you buy stocks that are somewhat less liquid, and still quite liquid, by the way, they'll still trade every day, but if you buy somewhat less liquid stocks, you actually can get uh, substantially higher returns on average than if you buy the most liquid stocks. And these are these are publicly traded stocks, not private equities, Roger? I, you don't. You could go all the way to private equities, of course, and get a little more liquidity premium. But there's plenty of liquidity premium in publicly traded stocks. And what it really means is you have to be buying the, uh, the, the type of stocks you might be buying is the kind of off-brand stocks, the kind of the stocks that are out of the news. And I don't know if you're, this radio show competes with Jim Cramer, but basically <laughs> you can't be buying the Jim Cramer type stocks. Right. You've got to be buying the stocks that, that are not talked about. The stocks that are most talked about are the stocks that there's a lot of demand for, and they're in the news, and they tend to be overpriced. If you buy the stocks that are there's less demand for, you get you can get these things at the discounts, which then create higher returns. You've created a fund, or is there one mutual fund or two? Or well, we have two funds right now that we're sub advisors to. They're American Beacon Zebra Funds, as a large cap fund and a, and a small cap fund, and uh, they're on a number of platforms. So I think they're probably accessible to most people who are listening and one form or another. So uh, they, um, uh, th- these funds basically, the large cap fund, we're buying uh, the, uh, the uh, still big companies, but are the, the less traded companies that are fundamentally strong but less traded. And then the small cap fund, uh, the, the large cap fund more or less matches the Russell 1000 universe and, and the Small cap fund matches the Russell 2000 universe, but in both cases we're buying the stocks that are that there's less interest in. They're, they're relatively less traded, but they they have rel- they have strong fundamentals, but they're they're sort of forgotten. You buy in the areas of the market where people just don't talk about it as much and aren't thinking about it as much, and, and they're not in the news. And these are the these are the companies that actually turn out to be uh, the, the be- best bargains in the market. And do you have empirical data that shows how what kind of premium you would have gotten in the past with, this stra- with these strategies? Well, we do, and these premiums are almost too high for me to mention right now. Oh, really? They, they, they have surprised me. There's no question about it. Because uh, there are, we're, we're, I, I would say conservatively you could make an ex- extra Three percent or something, but you can potentially make much more than that, even um, depending on how liquid or less liquid you are. In a mutual fund context, by the way, we have to be more conservative about it because in a mutual fund context, you have actually daily uh, inflows and outflows of your funds, and so you have to basically keep quite liquid. So, as a liquidity manager, 
of a mutual fund, you have to provide enough liquidity to um, to actually meet these inflows and outflows. And uh, therefore, you're going to get a little lower return than you might get it in some other context where, there, where, where you can actually invest in less liquid investments. But still, you know, even in a mutual fund context, people assume they most managers basically want things. We're actually going against the tide here because we're buying the buying the stocks that are less liquid and the kind of stocks that most managers don't want to hold. Okay, we're going to finish this part of the, the segment and come back in just a few minutes. We have to take a break. Um, we'll be back in just a minute. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor, or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Welcome back. 
We are uh, continuing on with our interview um, about some new and exciting strategies that uh, have been launched by Roger Ibbotson, a uh, professor at Yale University, and the list goes on and on of the things that he's written and done. Um, we're talking about the liquidity premium, the fact that he believes there are higher returns in the stock market can be achieved by targeting stocks that trade uh, less frequently that are less liquid, the fact that there's a premium involved there. And uh, we're going to, Ethan, we're going to jump back into that interview. Sounds good. And then we're going to chit-chat when we get done with that. Okay. The premium that you're getting is from liquidity, not because it winds up being a small cap or a value-style fund, and it sounds yeah, like... If you actually went to that paper, you'd see that there's like a, a matrix that compares for small, for micro, small mid-large cap stocks, you can see the differences between the less liquid and the more liquid. Across all categories, there are, there are, there are big differences, although the biggest differences are in the smaller cap stocks. And Roger, your approach then with this liquidity premium, would you mind differentiating that from a traditional active stock picking type of approach where managers are out there saying, hey, I'm just going to take that Russell 1000 universe and find stocks that are just fundamentally, um, we believe, have better opportunities than than owning the whole index. I'm I guess I'm trying to get a view. Is, is this more of um, something that you you believe there's an economic reason to have the return there, or is it because you're someone's in control picking the right stocks and what the differences are between those strategies? Actually, it's more a matter of just looking at the observable data, and we don't visit any management or anything like that. It's actually akin to um, if you – Michael Lewis wrote a book uh, that some people may have read on Moneyball about baseball players and and how uh, how – it was a story about Billy Bean as a manager of the Oakland A's with no budget and how, how, uh, how he could pick a team. And you could go in detail and look at all the players play, but it would be very difficult to pick a team by watching them play because – because one day they might do really well, and one day they might do poorly, and some the ones that looked muscular and athletic were didn't turn out always to be the best players, and so forth. We're much like that. We're saying, let's look at the data, and let's look at some some um, actually some different ratios and things that are not the conventional ratios, but actually the ratios that 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 actually predict better. And, and in the case of um, the baseball analogy, uh, a lot of people were, were traditionally looking at batting averages, and it turned out that on-base percentages are much better predictors of run production than batting averages. Right. And, and in our case, uh, most people think of the, the, well, probably the ratio that's most used is the P-E ratio. So uh, if you, and of course, if you were a value manager, you'd say, I want to buy a low P.E. ratio stock, it's got, it's got a, a, a low price relative to the amount of earnings that it produces. Well, we're, we're trying to manage liquidity, not just value. And so we're saying, we're, so I'll introduce a new, a new ratio that no, nobody would have ever heard of because we devised it in our, our internally here. It's the, instead of the P.E. ratio, it's the V.E. ratio. And, and, uh, V stands for trading volume. So we want to buy a stock that has 
relatively low tr- trading volume. We want as much earnings as possible per the amount that's traded. Hmm. Basically, if they're producing a lot of earnings, the company's supplying a lot, but, but if the trading volume is low, there's low demand for, for the stock, even though there, there's a lot of supply, there's low demand. That's the ideal situation. You, we want low VE ratio stocks, a lot, of, a lot of supply, not much demand. You effectively get to buy stocks at discounts. So going back to the baseball analogy, it's essentially we're saying that you could, you, you, if you look at some statistics that actually have better predictability, and, and uh, you can actually uh, potentially get higher returns here. Ethan, we're going we're gonna to pause on the interview all right. uh, with Roger right there, we, we have about an hour of material that we did. Um, I thought we could just chat about this whole liquidity premium. And, uh, and then our next yeah. show, next week, uh, we asked him about asset allocation decisions, which is really interesting, his view on how to, how to look at building the right allocation and how you examine your uh, personal financial capital, which mm-hmm. he calls human capital, as a part of the asset allocation decision. I think most advisors aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at someone's earnings over their lifetime as a part of their, their asset, and not only their earnings, but what industry and what job they're in. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting stuff. And then we also talked to him about the um, the value of, of knowing your, your market history, and uh, because he's famous for the, for the data and the work he was doing on his company, Ibbotson Associates, was really tracking statistics around historical market market data. So... We talked to him about that, and we'll we'll play all those clips um, th- throughout the next couple shows, actually, too. I think it sounds good. In summary, though, he we went on and we talked a lot more about this liquidity, and he's launched a couple of mutual funds, um, the Zebra uh, funds. Zebra is the is the website Zebra Capital. Um, you can just go to z- zebracapm.com if you want to read some of his his, pa- his paper about liquidity as an investment style. Uh, we're not endorsing or recommending anyone buy anything here on, on the show without talking to an advisor and doing uh, due diligence mm-hmm. on this. And um, certainly I've read the paper and I'm doing more and more research about liquidity as an investment style. Right. And what we went on to talk about, um, we had asked him, well, geez, you know, we, we've we've seen the research that says that you know in the data in the US market and abroad that small companies have a higher expected return and uh, than large companies and value companies have a higher expected return than growth companies do mm-hmm. and then papers on that um, this idea that liquidity he said it's been around the the concept has been around for decades i mean um, we're we're all familiar with that idea right right i mean when you buy bonds or CDs or something you know part of the reason maybe you get a, a, a slight premium in CDs over treasuries for example might be partly due to the liquidity premium you know you get to hold the CDs to maturity probably more common than that might be the the private equity stuff you have in hedge funds a lot of times or uh, a lot of those endowment funds you've seen yeah there's private equity funds um, that you can engage in partnerships and things of that nature and because private equity you can't sell on a on a day's notice or on a second's notice, like you can a, a stock that trains on the major exchanges, right? Right. That they they've historically been shown to ha- to have a higher rate of return, but primarily that's been attributed to the fact that they're illiquid. Yeah. That's a concept that if an investor can't get access to their funds and they've got too 
alternative investments of equal risk, mm-hmm. uh, you would you would demand a slightly higher rate of return for the one that you can't liquidate immediately. Yeah, so conceptually, the idea intuitively to me makes sense that there would be, there's something there, obviously, just a matter of how to capture it in a, in a way that doesn't make it evaporate, right? Yeah. And so the, I think what's interesting, and as he went on to explain it, was why would you see it in a publicly traded market? Because with the mutual funds, and these funds just launched a couple of the June of this year, mm-hmm. um, the funds that, that it's uh, that he's they put out um, in his, in his association. Um, and the, the, I guess the interesting part, and what we went on to ask him about, was well, you know, private equity is one thing, but your fund, these funds, are, have daily liquidity, and the formula in which that they're looking at this, and they say, well. There's a liquidity premium in stocks that are trading on publicly traded markets, um, and it's there because they have very low volume relative to the earnings that they're generating, and that's the this idea of a volumes to, uh, volume to earnings ratio, and it was something that they developed. Um, yeah, and we're the first ones to coin. Called here. it the VE ratio. Yeah, the VE ratio. So uh, trading volume over earnings. Yeah. So uh, very fascinating. I don't know if there's some other points we these. These um, strategies we asked them about whether they tend to fall more value companies, which also tend to have higher returns anyway. Mm-hmm. He said you do tend to get that because earnings is part of the equation, and uh, it looks like there's the way that they're kind of weighted in the portfolio are based on earnings, um, kind of an earnings-based analysis of how you weight the they weight the the fund. So we're going to do a lot more research on our end. Yeah. And uh, we'll definitely revisit and talk about this. Why would we consider this when primarily we, we t- tend to promote, promote more passive-style investments? Um, and you know, after speaking with Roger, I, I believe that's his philosophy as well. He yeah. went on to say that this is really not an active approach. Um, it's looking at the historical data, which was very similar to our conversation with Ken French about right. what academics and researchers do, mm-hmm. and then trying to find some fundamental, if possible, or economic explanation for where these returns are. Yeah. I mean, you're getting a portfolio, too, like he said, that has hundreds of stocks in it. I mean, I think the large cap fund has That's right. under, under, under 300, 300 stocks or something like that. So you look, it's just very, it is very diversified, which means that, in essence, it isn't like the stock picking is the, the is the value add with that right? Yeah, it's something else. It'd be something too that you'd want to consider if you were um, not having as the bulk of your portfolio, but as a taking a very diversified, say, a, a total market type portfolio, mm-hmm. making your your tilts towards the higher returning asset classes if that's what your goal is, uh, and then layering in this idea of going after a liquidity premium if you were going to use it. We need to uh, get ready to get ready to take a break, Ethan. All right. So. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about, uh, do some of our news of the day. Uh, you've got some financial planning right. tips that we wanted to start including in the program. Sounds good. Social security and whatnot. So uh, we'll be right back. And uh, sit tight. Talk to you soon. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Spin it with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin it old school, which gives a back in the day approach from Chuck. A no spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, Ethan, we're back. Okay. We were uh, wrapping up our conversation about uh, Roger Ibbotson yep. and uh, the strategies on the liquidity premium. And you want to give our contact information. That's where people can go. Maybe uh, we'll post up uh, some of his papers or links to his stuff. Yeah, I think we should. Alrighty. We should also mention that, uh, I don't think we mentioned it today, was that we're actually pre-recording this show. So yeah. the number that the announcer just gave out, um, while it will go to the radio station, it won't go to us directly. Okay. So uh, if you'd like to reach us directly, you can leave a message for us at 800 800- Two five four zero three nine eight, or of course you can reach us anytime at contact at empiradio.com. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear feedback about Roger. If you have questions, follow questions, or um, any of that kind of stuff, so you can shoot us an email or call us there. And uh, as usual, if you are an individual investor looking for professional advice uh, in a in a fee only environment. Mm-hmm. An independent company like Empirical, we can help you. So you can give us a call. And our firm number is 1-800-923-4307. And you can ask for Ken Smith or Ethan Broga, and we'll get you in the right place. Sounds great. Visit our website, empiricalfs.com. 
Okay. Alrighty. Well, Ethan, you um, you you know you're, you're the head of the financial planning division of our company here, and uh, you, you're doing a little research and work on on revisiting the the social security um, topic, and particularly, I think this idea of taking it early, on time, or late. Mm-hmm. So, I'd love to you know hear about that a little bit. Share with our listeners: Is there if you're out there and you're approaching that age where you can start to take Social Security. Um, this this might be some very valuable information, and Ethan's writing a little paper about it that we'll post up as well. Yeah, let's, that sounds good. All right, let's do it. Well, the, in, in general, I think there's two, two sort of schools of thought on Social Security. Um, one school is that, you know, taking it early as, as possible would be somehow beneficial, uh, maybe because the the possibility of, of living long enough for the alternative, you know, postponing um, Social Security to work out just seems kind of distant and, and far off. I mean, it's nicer to have money now rather than later. Um, but I was interested in how how this all works in terms of the financial plan. And so I did some work on uh, examining the exact formulas to calculate Social Security benefits and uh, put together a little little table um, and then also ran the numbers as to how long it would take to to break even from one scenario or the other, you know, right. taking it earlier or postponing it. And basically what I came up with was um, if you don't factor in, say, inflation, your your model doesn't incorporate inflation, it does take quite a while to break even. In other words, a break-even age is pretty significantly far. Um, I had calculated that, um, let's say, if you're 62 today and you wanted to know how long it would take to break even, you know, versus postponing, let's say, till 66, how long would it take for you to break even? It would, you'd have to live a significantly long period of time, about 16 <clears throat> years, in fact, in my calculations, um, which is it's a long time to wait. All right. I mean, who knows what's going to happen over that period of time. Um, but then I ran into the same scenario and just adjusted for a simple 3% inflation factor. And it turns out that the, it no longer is 16 years. It's just slightly under 14 years. Um, so it shaves off uh, a number of years in in the actual break-even age if you account for inflation. Okay. Uh, which has a pretty significant, it's a pretty significant difference, uh, particularly as we're, o- or we're growing older as a, as a general population, you know, we're, we're living longer and, and that sort of thing. Um, it seems to make some sense to possibly consider postponing Social Security. Okay. So uh, maybe just... Refresh me here, Ethan. Uh, what is the normal, what is a re- normal retirement age for Social Security? Well, there's several different ages depending on when you're born. Um, the biggest, the biggest band are uh, if you're born between 1943 and 1954. That period of time, our normal retirement age is 66. Okay. If you're born before 1937, it's age 65, and then steps up all the way between all the way to 19. Uh, 43 to 1954, and then if you're born after 1960, it's age 67. So anybody, right now, anyone born after 1960, it's 67. Exactly right. Okay. Before that, it's kind of a staggered deal. Exactly okay. right. Um, okay. And then with regard to taking it early, is there some kind of there's some kind of reduction in benefits. I'm assuming because you're getting the cash. So that break-even you were referring to is the fact that. Your monthly payment is lower if you take it early than if you take it at normal. Mm-hmm. And if you take it delayed, let's say that, uh, um, just to keep the example simple here, 
that 66 is the retire normal retirement age, right? Right. And you take it. What's the latest you can take it? Uh, age 70? Or, yeah. You know? Well, benefits stop accruing at age 70, so you okay. wouldn't logically postpone beyond that. Okay. So you can postpone it basically four years beyond the normal retirement. Yes. And by doing that, you get some additional uh, increase in your monthly benefit as you as you do that. Yeah, basically it's an additional payment of 8% per year for yeah. each year you delay. So, for example, if you are age 66 and your benefits, let's say, they're $2,000 a year and you delay till age 70, you're going to get an accumulative benefit of four times you know, four years times 8% per year, or 32%. So in other words, your payments will be 32% higher uh, at age 70 versus age 66. So when a person's making a decision about this, um, clearly a person's health, if they know they've... Sure. They've, what their health situation is like would be a factor. Um, also, the asset base that they've built up, I'm assuming, if, you've ha if you have a lot of savings mm -hmm. relative to no savings your decision might be f factored in that, geez, I, I don't have a choice because maybe I'm not working and I, yeah. I don't have a big savings account. But if you do, something else is really coming into play that you told me about, I think, which was this idea of longevity risk yes, and inflation. Um, and also the, some of the work that you did uh, running very complex uh, scenarios, hypothetical scenarios in a financial planning software that kind of randomizes returns. And yeah, I ran this in, ran these scenarios into the Monte Carlo anal uh, analysis that we have. And that's not a casino, although that's where that name came from. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Uh, so anywho, they, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a complicated situation. I mean, it's worth uh, sitting down with a, with a financial planner probably um, because there's more things to consider than, geez, do I think I'm going to live long enough to simply break even, right? There are other factors that you want to consider that may, may make this beneficial. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, much like most any good financial advice, it's really customized to the individual. And there isn't any one blanket statement that says, hey, this is good for everybody. Um, but it certainly is worth examining to make sure you make the, the right or the, smart, the smartest decision, given all things uh, consideration. And I think maybe we we can touch back on this because we're running out of time for this show, Ethan. But I think you had mentioned some interesting nuggets about um, if you if you've already taken it either early or, or you know normal um, about paying it back, right? And then and then going with the delayed. And I'd love we don't have time to talk about that today, but stay tuned. We'll talk about it on our next show. I think it sounds good. I don't think you want to miss that information because uh, it uh, could really could have a nice effect there. <laughs> there you go. Okay, well, uh, we're running out of time. Give us a call, 1-800-254-0398, uh, if you want to leave a message about the show and any of that kind of stuff. You want to call our firm, 1-800-923-4307 at Empirical. If you're an advisor looking to connect with a firm or an individual, you just want some help with financial planning or you want someone to run your multi-million dollar portfolio, that's what we are trained to do. Um, until next week. Thank you, and uh, have a great day. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you next week. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. 
Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.